0: Welcome to the audio-only version of this week's pop-up submission show. I hope you enjoy it. We love you to join us for the live show on YouTube every Sunday at 5pm UK time. youtube.com slash litopia Right, so this is literally just come in moments ago, moments ago, no lie. Uh, I'm just gonna, it's a bit longer, I'm just going to read you bits of it. Uh, good afternoon, Peter. It is afternoon here, it's five o'clock in the afternoon. Um, it's a really big thank you for my slot on pop ups. I've now agreed a three book deal with Head of Zeus for The Voyage of Argo. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I suspect the name will change again. The confidence gained from the generally positive feedback given, given, uh, gave me the impetus to submit to my agent. It's further evidence, as if evidence was needed, of the great value Lutopia adds to the industry, particularly for relative newcomers. Thank you again. Keep up the excellent work. Mark Knowles. So, Mark, thank you so much. It's so nice to hear from people when you've had a good experience with us. You can review us. We review you. Let's see who's on the show this week. Yeah. With 93 number one bestsellers under his belt, as CEO of British publisher Head of Zeus, the question I want answered is, why isn't it 100? It's A warm welcome back to Nicholas Cheatham. And from Washington, D.C., for the third time on Pop-Ups, his writer, storyteller, backed by extremely popular demand, the fabulous <laughs> Jamila Gleason. Nick, I was just holding that back. I could have told you in the pre chat. It came in about 10 minutes ago. How about that?
1: I know. It's great, isn't it? Isn't um, it brilliant? Uh, and, yeah. And so this is, um, Argo is going to be on our new uh, adventure, action and adventure list, Ares.
0: Ares. Now, that's, that's not the first time, is it? There's, a, there's another young author by the name of Tim Hodkins. Hodkins. That's right. Yeah. 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 He's also got on our Ares. Yeah, yeah, he's got a five-book deal, hasn't he?
1: Uh, I, th- I think. I um, think. Would I be speaking out soon to say, to say that? Uh, out of turn to say that? I, I hope it will be a few more. Oh my goodness! So we're looking forward to going all in as his publishers.
0: That's fantastic. Oh, well, you know we we are just tickled pink here because the pop-ups is still pretty new show really, and everyone behind the scenes, you know it's just it's just great encouragement. So Nick, have you got a book for us this week?
1: I do. I do. Um, and because I'm locked down in grey and slightly snowy London, Oh, yeah. um, I've moved to escape, uh, and I've escaped to the Wyoming mountains um, uh, with C.J. Boxer's Dark Sky, oh, which is you. incredibly, incredibly the 21st Joe Pickett novel. Oh. Um, and yes, I've read them all. And uh, so Joe is a Wyoming game warden, um, and so he's basically the sole law enforcement representative in, I don't know, a, a thousand square miles of wilderness, and everyone he comes across, of course, is heavily armed because they're out there hunting. Now, have I been to Wyoming? No. Do I hunt? Am I interested in hunting? No, not really. Um, and do I look forward to these novels every year? Oh, yes, I really do. They are an wow. absolute breath of fresh air. And like that really good strain of crime writing that only the Americans really seem to be able to do. You know, the writing is yeah. economical yeah. and it's efficient. Yeah. And, you know... To paraphrase another great uh, um, uh, American author, Robert Crace, Box delivers the goods every single time. You know, you know when you open one of these novels, you are in for just an absolute magic carpet ride. Yeah. Uh, every single one is as good as the one before it, um, and they take you—they take you somewhere else, which is every bit as interesting as you know the mean streets of, uh, of New York or you know, yeah. or, or, or sort of uh, LA. Um, it's uh, it's an icon. It's just as iconic part of America, really, isn't it? It's Rocky Mountains yeah. and... Parks. I haven't read
0: any. I've, I've uh, clicked through on the link that... Uh, well, just just. Whoa, no, 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 no. What am I doing here? Sorry, sorry. I've clicked through on the link here. There's a QR code. I've clicked through on that. And I can honestly say I've rarely seen such stunning reviews and praise. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, 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 he seems to be one of the, the best novelists around at the moment.
1: Yeah, and the thing is that, I mean, you know, it, it, it was not, an, he was not an overnight success. I mean, mm-hmm. he took three years to write his first novel. Uh, We then took four years to find a publisher who then took two years to publish it um and then he did a book every single year sometimes you know more than one book a year and um by 15 years after that he had become a number one new york times bestseller an
0: overnight sensation Um, yeah 21 years it's a
1: great sensation i think it also just shows that more you know you need dedication you know and you you need just to keep going at it and you know success does sometimes strike you know from the heavens that bolt from the blue you know that debut novel that becomes an international sensation but equally you know it can take 20 30 years of hard graft to get there.
0: yeah absolutely yeah i'm so looking forward to reading it jamila you always bring us you always bring us something wonderful and sensational to read what are you going to suggest to us this week
2: (laughs) so today i'm bringing an old favorite of mine called
0: mm-hmm. Beloved.
2: Oh by Tony Morrison. Yeah. So I read Beloved probably once every three or four years and mm. consistently find something new and interesting and and or, you know, because it's one of those novels that over the course of your life you read it at twenty, you read it at twenty five, you read it at thirty, and you find something new or you understand yourself, so you understand the characters a little bit differently. Yes. I remember I first read Beloved, and I was probably the around the age of Setha's daughter. Setha is the main character and she's the woman who escapes slavery. and she has she lives with her daughter. And I remember when I was fir- when I first read it, I was probably her daughter's age. And so some of Setha's decisions that she made um, didn't really make sense to me. And now reading it when I'm maybe a little bit closer to Seth's age, it's one of those novels that you grow with. And so, yeah. Um, it's just really interesting to me to see, you know, myself and these characters. That it's Tony an absolute Morrison classic.
0: It's a total yeah, um, I mean, American classic. Um, but yeah. still being banned sometimes, actually. I was just reading. Um, it. I was banned in, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Um, two parents complained that the book discussed inappropriate parts about the antebellum.
2: Yeah. I mean, so the United States has, a, as you know, a complicated history with mm. history. <laughs> yeah. um, and so we do have quite a few books. There's one project right now called the 1619 Project that discusses the effects of slavery in every waking moment of life here in the United States that's currently on a number of legislatures sort of hit lists as something that cannot be taught to our kids. Yeah, and so yeah. it wasn't surprise me, but, but that being said, Toni Morrison Beloved is a book that I can't recommend highly enough for people. I mean, women, yeah. girls, men, boys yeah. of any age, because I think she does her prose is so beautiful and rich and, you know, you do find little nuggets that you never would have discovered five years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was a classic when it was written. It's it's only grown in stature in the years since then. That's a terrific recommendation. to absolute classic books from two, I think they're going to be, classic guests again. Thank you very much, guys. Let's uh
2: make a priority submission at priority.latopia.com.
0: Yeah, let's encourage you to make a priority submission if you'd like to, I think. I think the waiting list now for non priorities is something like end of August, September last year. So if you do want to get ahead, make a priority submission. And it helps us. It helps us in a very modest way. Now then, let's have a look at uh, at last week's. If you remember, it's pretty tight actually. Um, These are the manuscripts we saw. The clear winner on the show though was David Neuner's Everybody I Love Dies. Great title there. YA Thriller starts with Death as a visible presence, but only visible to our protagonist. And Death is stalking her best friend. So, how did you vote? 8% of your popular vote in six and a half days since then went to The Legacy by Philip. Sarah got oh, 8% also for Wolf Totem. Jamie International Relations love that title actually, got... I don't believe it. Look at it. It's always interesting, isn't it? 8% of the vote. Lucrecia for the Dragon Cat Chronicles, which lots of us liked, got 8%. How does this work? And what does that mean? David Neuner, everybody I love dies. It was a favourite in the studio. And it looks like it was your favourite too. 66% of the popular vote. And that means, David... (laughs) Congratulations, and um, who knows? Hopefully, uh, Nicholas Cheaton will be offering you a contract anytime now. We <laughs> make a perfect trifecta, wouldn't it? Shall we uh, see what our first mission of the day is? It comes from Susanna, and it's contemporary women's fiction, and it's called "Can a Leopard." You say it quickly; it sounds like camelopard, but it's not. It's can a leopard. And there is Susanna's website for you to go to. Um, I'll read you Susanna's blurb. Carla and Seb Cave are a glamorous, globe-trotting couple living in the south of England with their young son when COVID strikes. The bare bones, I think that is, not the bare the bones, the bare bones of their marriage are exposed, and issues that have simmered for some time threaten to implode. But as they head for Italy, the future looks rosy. It's soon apparent, however, that emerging from lockdown will be just as challenging as it was going into it. Elation quickly wears off, and Carla is haunted by memories of the past. Hmm. Tell you about Susanna. Um, I worked as a translator, says Susanna, before an MA in creative writing sent me in the direction of theatre research. In 2018, my biography of the actress Maud Beerbohm Tree was published by Legenda. During the pandemic, I've written two novels, I suspect quite a few people might have done, uh, that tackle the issues of mental health, domesticity and enforced isolation as we struggle to adapt to an altered reality. Yes, we do indeed. So who should we ask to read this? I think I've got an instinct. I've got a strong feeling it should be Kay. The
3: first page. Canna Leopard by Susanna Corey Wright. Read by Kay. Did you really fantasize about shops reopening rather than, you know? Carla glanced up from her book. She was reading Sex Matters by Mona Sharon, or not, as one of Les' girls had been quick to respond when Carla suggested they read it for book club. Carla had giggled, but it was pointless trying to tell them that the insightful, fascinating polemic with the byline how modern feminism lost touch with science, love and common sense was worth a discussion. It was enough at any rate to initiate dialogue. Not during lockdown anyway. Someone else had texted, last thing on my mind. While yet another had quoted from Caroline Duffy's Mrs Rip Van Winkle. Carly remembered the words Viagra and "Niagara" rhyming in that one, which had set them off on another tack entirely. Les girls had met at their convent school when they were approximately 11 years old. Living dangerously, some had even gone on together to the same university. Their parents were friends, their brothers had also attended the same boys school, if not always at the same time. Suffice it to say, they were closer than even the closest of friends usually were. But Seb was waiting on her reply. His eyes were broody under dark brows that were prized apart like the bascules of Tower Bridge opening to allow tall ships through. He was scouring his phone for the latest lockdown updates and this being July, there were several. Pubs had opened earlier in the week and people from two households could now meet outdoors, provided they observed social distancing measures. Deaths from COVID-19 stood at 44,198 in the UK, falling below the average for the time of year, while those in India and Brazil were on the increase. But that's not what Seb was thinking about. Do you mean sex? said Carla playfully. Of course not, she said, crossing her fingers. But her mind had drifted to the famous landmark and its extraordinary feat of engineering. Bascule, she said aloud. Come again? French for seesaw. Seb's eyes were now doing just that. Yeah? Tower Bridge is a combined suspension and bascule. And you, you're, oh, never mind. Seb was used to her random eclectic references. He took a sip of coffee pouring from the metal cafetiere with a wooden handle that always reminded Carla of an old-fashioned diving helmet. He'd once said it came from the Conran shop in the days pre-Carla when he did nothing better to do than spend a morning browsing for innovative, if not always practical, home gadgets. Later he confessed that he hadn't bought it himself at all but that it had been a present from an ex. Carla secretly hoped the coffee pot reflected the girlfriend, solid and squat and in need of a polish. They were sitting on their patio having breakfast, basking in the glorious summer weather. It seemed to have been hot now for months and they'd taken nearly all of their meals outside during that time. The end of lockdown was in sight and there was excitement in the air. Don't worry, added Carla, smiling into her book and stretching a foot so that it rested on Seb's thigh. There'll be plenty of you-know-what in Italy. Carla said it lightly, but her glibness belied her true feelings. The truth was that she, who was used to hopping on a plane at the drop of a hat or Manolo flat, was far from easy about their forthcoming trip. Long before anyone could possibly have dreamt up this pandemic, Seb had booked the three-day break to coincide with a school trip of their 12-year-old son Alfie when he would be in France visiting the war graves of Normandy. They could always visit the sick wards of Lombardy instead, she had muttered when the school trip was cancelled. But the hotel in Porto Ercole hadn't cancelled their reservation which, as luck would have it, was for July anyway and BA had simply moved their flight a few days. And yet now the idea, let alone the reality of their travelling anywhere other than Sainsbury's, seemed somehow illicit and fraught with danger.
0: Right, so this is very interesting. This is the first piece of COVID uh, fiction, lockdown fiction, that we've had on the show. Mm-hmm. So it be very interesting to see how our experts feel about that. Just looking at the, uh, the Genius Room, not a lot of engagement, I think it's fair to say. Martin liked the catty comparison of the ex with the coffee pot. I like that too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Plus, um, given more... Re- yeah, that's the thing, isn't it, Robert, actually? Because the pandemic doesn't appear to be over yet. So is it is it too soon to draw a line under it? I don't know. What, uh, okay, first reactions, Jamela, please. Um, so, yeah, who doesn't want their
2: ex to look like they're they're like significant others acts to look like a coffee pot i mean i think that that's that's great um i do think that it's probably you know i when i heard the blurb and i thought oh it's going to be a covid story hmm. you know i a lot of the short fiction i've been reading if it mentions covid pandemic like i sort of i just skip it i probably wouldn't want to go forward with the story i think that this story, the benefit of what she's trying to do here is that this story probably needs, I think somebody said a really sharp editing pen. Yeah. It's starting and it's, you know, I get that we're supposed to be in her head and she's thinking about all these random thoughts and we sort of meander into We're getting ready to go to Italy for, I guess they're going to go and have sex. Um, But I think that it could be much tighter I don't mm. know that I
0: really care that much about, like, girls and. No, um, you you didn't engage yeah. that much either, did you? Really? No. What do you think? No, I'm going to ask to this. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask this of Nick in a moment. But what what do you think about this whole idea of lockdown fiction, COVID mm-hmm. fiction? Do you think it could be a thing? Because the great thing it's got going for it is it's a massive shared experience. I mean, hundreds of millions of people throughout the world have had almost exactly the same experience.
2: I mean, I think that in a couple of years, people are going to look back on this time and wonder what everybody else was doing in their house on lockdown mm. in a couple of years. I mean, I, I don't see this as being, for me personally, I don't see this as being something I would want to read in the next couple of years. No,
0: I'm, okay, you know? got it. Yeah, fair enough. I think that pretty much sums up the uh, the mood of the genius room as well. Nick? So,
1: um I thought there was, you know, there, there were some nice touches of, um, of, of writing. You know, I, I got the, the randomness of, of her mind. It's how she was. You know, I, I liked the potential scene about the um, kitchenware and the, um, and, and the old girlfriend. You know, I, I could see something nice being constructed out of that. And, you know, and the nice, you know, uh, solid and squat in need of a polish. Yeah, that was, was nice. Was it yeah. uh, mm-hmm. was, a, was a nice touch. Um, uh, but, you know, there was an awful lot in there. We had a book club which was founded, you know, on female friendship when they're 11. We had Seb, we had COVID, we had a bit about bridge design. Uh, yeah, we, we did. Had yeah. Italy. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, there was a lot there in the opening few hundred words. But I think the fundamental problem is really, you know, do we want a COVID novel? And and I don't think that we actually do. I think that we Mm. need to escape from COVID rather than, you know, go back and actually read about it. Um, I think there will be interesting things um, written about it, but I suspect there'll be, you know, from the benefit of um, perspective and uh, and how the world has actually changed, you know, several years. uh, This is unleashing a lot of change not to write about
0: yeah but, yeah you
1: know, this kind of lifting of lockdowns and the very sort of domestic sort of side of it I, i'm just not sure it's where we're at the moment because it's the lives we're all living
0: you yeah, know, It I, is. I, I it? it's a bit too close
1: loving it because i was yeah. far far away from uh being stuck in my house and that's yeah. what i want
0: yeah mind you by the time this this gets published it will be nine months down the line maybe 12 months who knows um gladriel says still need a story to have a heart very good point actually and to have come mm. from the heart, contrived story just to fit a current theme doesn't work for me. Mm, I, yeah, well, quite harsh, but I do understand that. I think I think the great COVID lockdown novel has to be written, actually, at some point. But who knows? Who knows when? Jamila, you have the honour and privilege <laughs> of <laughs> of giving us <laughs> some numbers here between one, which is not good, and five, which is absolutely amazing basically i want to marry this manuscript and have its babies so where are you going to go between those two
2: i'm going to go with two
0: two fair enough understood and I think, it nicely. Could
2: be, I think it could be good with polish and time
0: okay That's, fair enough polish okay. and time great thank you and nick please numbers
1: I think I'm going
0: to have to agree. Um, I think that two that two is uh, two, two is a two. the right mark here. Yeah, we're going for a two, right? Okay, and uh, shall I be boring? Yes, I'm going to be boring. I'm going for a two as well. Yeah, I think there's potential there. Maybe it's a little bit harsh. There were some very nice turns of phrases though, but I just think you got you got to sort it out. Actually, um, there is. I, I I do think there is the great COVID novel to be written, but it's it's maybe it's too soon. And you've got to just work out what those big themes are. It's a common experience we've all had. There's got to be potential there somewhere. Uh, should we see what the um, the overall score is looking like? So, ah, interesting. We were all absolutely unanimous. We gave twos all around, which means came up to 40%. All right. Let's see if we can do a little bit better with the next one. Oh, this is from John. John Quinn coming of age, it's a, it's, I guess it's a YA coming of age, I'm not sure though, it's called Caterpillar. It's the early 1970s and Jude, David, 17, has a job, a run-down flat and can't believe he's still a virgin. Seduced into a life of crime by his manipulative uncle Jake, Jude falls for Sue, the daughter of his uncle's equally corrupt business partner. Jude wants out, but is blackmailed by his uncle. He faces a stark choice. Live life on the wrong side of the law with Sue or risk heartbreak and prison for murder. Will Jude be drawn to the dark of the moth? I like that. the dark of the moth. Or like the butterfly, seek the light. Dark of the moth. I like that a lot. Nice turn of phrase there. Um, Let me tell you about John. I'm an award-winning former national newspaper investigative journalist, says John. Um, but you don't say what, what you did. That would be interesting, actually. If you stick that in, in you know, your, your cover letter or whatever else. Just tell us one or two of the investigations you've worked on, especially if, you know, they're, they're, they're well-known. That would really position you. Uh, my play, The Last Talent Show, bro- broke box office records when it was performed by Hamble Players. And I'm an active member of the Hampshire Writers' Society, an august institution, if ever there ever was one. Um, you need an equally august reading, do you not? there has got to be Robert. The first page. Caterpillar
4: by John, read by Robert. Chapter One. Party Time. It was a stupid idea, but, at the time of handing out the invites, seemed like a stroke of genius. Well, I'd left home and moved into a rundown two-bed flat with my best mate, Ivor, a fortnight before. But since then, there had been more life in The Undertaker's around the corner. Ivor reckoned the answer was a party. He thought a party was the answer to most problems, but, for once, he was right. Wasn't having a party, a proper no-holds-barred party with booze and girls, a seeing-the-sunrise party exactly the reason why I'd left home. I was going to make it the best party ever, a life-changing event. There was just one hitch. Almost all of our friends were like us. 17 or 18-year-old lads. There was the odd girl from work or from our old sixth-form college we could invite, but that was about it. Desperate times required desperate measures, and we hit on the radical solution of going into Southampton City Centre the night before the party to hand out invites to any and every girl willing to take one. What could go wrong? We'd created an intimate atmosphere, by lighting a few sticks and a couple of candles and cutting up an old red t-shirt and draping it over the lampshade in the lounge, I'd put a load of spuds in the oven and had a mountain of margin grated cheese. Cheesy jacket potatoes would go down a storm. I'd remember to tell, well, warn the three Irish university students who lived up above us in the top half of the house about our party plans and invited them along. Seamus, at least I think that was what he said his name was, he spoke quietly and had a strong accent, opened the door, but didn't invite me in. He said he'd tell his flatmates and thank me for the invite, but said they were normally out on a Saturday night. Make as much noise as you like, raise the roof and have a great time, won't you? He said before shutting the door on me. I'd just finished getting dressed for the party tight pink flares, wide black belt, and red figure-hugging shirt with the high penny collar. i completed the look with sunglasses tucked into my open shirt-neck until Ivor said I looked like an Italian gigolo, when the first of our mates started turning up. Each carried a can or two of beer, and a few new singles and albums to play, on the old Set record player I'd borrowed from Mum. It wasn't long before the flat was full, Trouble was, there was only one girl for every ten lads. The female students we'd known from college were washing their hair, but Ivor had managed to bribe a couple of office juniors from his work to come along, and I'd persuaded two filing clerks from the electrical wholesalers, where I was a trainee, to turn up. We'd promised charming, wealthy young men and as much baby sham as you can drink. Disappointed on each score, The girl soon started to look bored and restless. When the doorbell rang, I prayed that our invites from the previous night had worked. Everyone else invited was already in the flat, and I skipped the length of the hallway to open the door. Two smiling girls wearing black studded leather jackets and oozing confidence, they must have been at least 20, greeted me. The taller of the two held out an arm and, smiling beautifully, waved one of our invites. She flicked at her brunette shoulder-length hair and laughed. This is the right address for the party? As usual, when confronted with a pretty woman, what little wit and charm I possessed deserted me. I blurted out, RESULTS! Hoping they hadn't heard, I ushered the girls, well, women, quickly down the narrow hallway, through the door to our flat and into the lounge before they could change their minds. I grabbed two of the last remaining beers, gave them to the girls, and then fumbled for something to
0: say. Yeah, I've been to too many parties like those. In fact, I would say that it's actually normal for Norwich. <laughs> uh, first reactions, Nick.
1: Um, I think my first read. I'm not sure about the way in which the story is being told. The writing's, you know, sort of fluent. Um. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, if I was telling this, I would go for a much more immediate first person. Yeah. You know, I've got the feeling that it, it, it's I, I'm being distant because it's someone telling me the story. Yeah. If I was a seven if I was telling a story from a seventeen-year-old point of view, I would, you know, basically see see things through the oh, eyes yeah. of a seventeen. Oh yeah. Much more impact. You know, the party that's not quite actually going right. Um, you know. How you actually feel about it, you know. This, this has the feel of a raconteur, you know. Yeah, and that's I, right. I just don't think that works, you know, with a with, 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 with a you know when we want yeah. to put across seventeen-year-olds, uh, yeah. a seventeen-year-old So I, I think you know, yeah. it, you know, it. it the writing's fine, you know, fine. Um, uh, but it, I, 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 wouldn't keep on reading because no. I don't think it's the right. Mode no it doesn't or...
0: hook sufficiently the uh, genius room likes the voice there quite engaging voice, but it 's not compelling enough really it doesn't doesn't hook uh, give us a number then please, Nick
1: uh, um, two
0: two again all right yeah you've got to tell it like it is kind of insect themed novel really isn 't it caterpillars, moths, butterflies, cocoons, chrysalises I hope you 're not phobic about insects there Jamila. <laughs>
2: I don't love them. Oh, good. Um, but that has nothing, to do, <laughs> has nothing to do with what I think about the book. Uh, um, so I thought that the blurb was interesting. The blurb sort of promised this really immediate action, and then we spend the entire beginning of the book just talking about this party going wrong. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, I know that you have to start somewhere. I'm just not sure that this was really the right place to start to start.
0: It's not compelling um, enough, is it?
2: And then or, no, and then the other question I had was when we was the, who's this aimed at? You know, we talked about a coming of age, but is this a YA yeah. for actually? You know, is this YA? Is this for somebody like who's seventeen in the nineteen seventies? I don't know that. You know, kids. I think Robert said it too. Kids nowadays, the seventies would probably feel like
0: i know, you know, <laughs> parents, you know? I know. I, isn't that <laughs> dreadful i was gonna i was gonna say baby sham actually means something to me i don't you've never heard of baby sham have you to be, be honest i i so
2: the, the reference is lost on me that maybe doesn't mean much but it was lost no. on me, but... <laughs> um so yeah i mean i i, I thought that the voice was Compelling, but it didn't read like a thriller to me, which is what I sort of went into and
0: expected. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Give us a number.
2: I'm gonna go with the two again.
0: We're twoing. Oh, we're two and froing. Um, just for the baby sham. I, I mean I, I I would love to feel you know, one of one of the awful questions that publishers ask you sometimes Nick hasn't said this because he's a gent, but is is why now? Why now? Why should this book be published now? You know, and it's not always easy to come up with a compelling answer to that. And I think you've got to somehow, John. I think you've got to say, This is why. This is this is why I'm gonna take you back and, and, and make you relive this this extraordinary, insane time full of baby sham and insects, and there's gotta be right up. Up front and it's got to hook me and just charm me in. but it doesn't quite do that maybe you're not getting into the right place but nevertheless i think there's a nice voice there and it was engaging both for me and the channel i'm trying to go 3 going to go three let's see how the numbers look might take a second or two for my three to register there frantic work is going on behind the scenes but i can tell you can't i, I can i can actually predict that it's going to go up. It's, yeah there we go. see 45 percent. All right, let's see if we can push it above 50 shall we for the next one? Yeah Submission number three today above the clouds. It's a picture book. That's interesting from Michael Raftos. we don't often get we don't often get picture books. Hmm. Let me read you uh, the blurb. Sometimes the path to our dreams is not always what we expect. When a magical tree burgeons from the palm of a humble street sweeper, he learns that he must let go of control and see things from an unfamiliar perspective if he is to live his dreams, quote, above the clouds. Hmm, I'm thinking about that. Following the tradition of Kobe Amada's What Do You Do With An Idea, this whimsical picture book with a magical realism hook is complete with 37 pages of beautifully penciled drawings and 837 words right so i'm excited to get picture books we hardly ever get them um let me tell you about michael i'm an artist writer compelled to draw arresting images and write spellbinding words we will be the judge of that i think michael (laughs) to stir the consciousness and swaddle the soul oh love some soul swaddling with a background in commercial graphic design, I spend much of my time thinking about philosophy, psychology, history, spirituality, and health. I'm currently in the process of creating my third book from my tiny wooden home in Castlemaine, Australia. How interesting! Idyllic existence. I'm already picturing that. Um, yeah, sounds magical realism. Sort of. Um, you need a sort of limpidly translucent reading. It's got to be Emily, really.
5: The first page. Above the clouds by Michael, read by Emily. In a world, outer world, in a world where mountains met the open sea, lay the town of Reverie. In that town lived Sebastian Seeker, a humble fellow and fine street sweeper. Every day in the old town square, he cleaned and swept with utmost care. He wasn't always very happy, because at times his work was crappy. Often gripped by a gloomy mood, he'd feel the depths of solitude. So, when times were tough and trying, Sebastian Seeker dreamed of flying. After work, when the sun was setting, he wandered home to his modest dwelling. Walking home at this time of day, he'd get caught amidst the fray. To push and pull was so exhausting, in the crowds where he'd get lost in yet returning to his little home restored him to a peaceful tone, till climbing into bed, retiring, once again he'd dream of flying. This night, however, was quite different, something brewed very significant, its origins quite metaphysical, then feeling in his hand a tickle. Suddenly he woke with awe, for growing from his palm he saw something which he did not fancy. "'full of life and very plenty. "'Plucking out this oddity, "'this thing of curiosity, "'he threw it in the bin, of course. "'Absurdity I won't endorse. "'Then straightening his starched pyjamas, "'went back to sleep with no more dramas. "'Sebastian thought that that was that, "'but by morning it grew back. "'He fetched the scissors to end this strangeness "'and hoped this plant was not contagious.' With a snip of my shears I'll end this turmoil and life again can return to normal. Now to the bathroom for a shower where once again began to flower. He hurled abuse and cursed and swore and cut the tree with an old hacksaw. Surely that's enough resistance to allay this thing's persistence. But once again it started happening, the re-emergence of the sapling. Attracting birds? Oh dear, what next? This problem's got me all perplexed. Shoo, you crow, stop bringing attention. This is far too weird to mention. I fight and battle, but it's getting worse. What will help me end this curse? Then, running from the scene apace, he found a secret hiding place. He got an idea from the box beside him. This thing looks like it's good for hiding. I'll conceal my problem cleverly. From all the folks of Reverie, until a better plan arises. So far, so good, no big surprises. Blending in with his cardboard camouflage, no staring crowd or crowish entourage, but too concerned with thoughts of others and keeping secrets under covers, he forgot to watch his feet and the hazards of the street. He tripped and fell towards the ground, head first into a giant mound, of freshly laid equine manure "'an awful fate he did endure. "'Why could he not accept this change "'instead of acting out so strange "'and causing this catastrophe "'instead of seeing skilfully "'how to respond more affably "'when faced with abnormality? "'Just when he thought it had gone too far, "'he ran in front of a speeding car. "'He was struck hard and knocked unconscious, "'and, we pray, nothing more monstrous. "'What has become of our dear hero?' When will his fate become more clear-o? Has his brain reset to zero? Or has he, jeepers, gosh, o' oh Duro come to an end, our gravest fur Waking peacefully in a room, Sebastian escaped his doom. But opening his eyes he changed, once again became deranged, at the sight of his affliction causing emotional friction. What is it with these blasted crows? I'll punch them in the flippin' nose. But, before he did, in seeing warmth in one dear bird, in his heart a kindness stirred. Perhaps it's wrong, my perspective. Let's be rational, more objective. I've acted so inadequately. Let's deal with this dispassionately. This friendly bird means me no harm. In fact, with him I'm feeling calm. Normally my life is solo, so nice to have a new amigo. There's benefits to this all right, maybe it's not such a plight, to be sheltered from the weather and helping others an added pleasure. Imbued with trust he then allowed birds to lift him above the crowd, to see the wonders of his change no longer battling against the grain, to undergo a certain shift of seeing changes as a gift, now living in a new reality less lonely with conviviality. What once had seemed a kind of weakness he now enjoyed as his uniqueness. In his difference he grew comfortable, he could afford to be more vulnerable, and developing more self-acceptance he could loosen his independence and open up to life's amendments, like the things between ladies and gents. No more wanting or desiring, Sebastian Seiko was finally flying. Letting go, he then allowed to live his dreams above the clouds.
0: Okay, so I think we got the entire book there. I think we've never, ever before in pop-ups read the whole manuscript. <laughs> but There we go, as a first. Yeah, we couldn't really cut it off at 700 words, could we? Um, generally positive. Oh, look, who's in the YouTube room? It's the author himself. Hello, Michael. Nice to see you there. Um, so generally good reaction, I think. Um Galadriel says rhyme scheme can get a bit laborious. It can. I enjoyed the cringe, cringe-making actually puns. N- uh, what was it? Normal and turmoil. No, turmoil and normoil. Ah, uh, yeah, that's that's the, in the six-year-old and me. Um, one or two people have said, "Yeah, like Hannah." It's more graphic novel, more YA. And look, I'm wondering what you made of this, Jamila.
2: I think that. Hannah's right on, spot on. I mean, I I was sort of wondering when there was, at the beginning, it said something about crappy and it just sort of threw me off of the picture book and it put me right into (laughs) the graphic novel.
0: Yes. You know, just
2: because, you know, I'm thinking if I'm reading this to my nieces and nephews, there's going to be a point where I'm going to say, hmm, Um, and I don't know if I want to... Like show them a picture of somebody sawing their hand off. No, exactly. I mean, I think that I think that I think that the the illustrations were gorgeous. I mean, I could only hope to color in as beautifully as as he could see drew. Um, But I do think that you know he probably should consider his audience and. Um, you know, I do think that there could be some tightening up in the prose. I mean, I thought that I mm. thought that the moral of this word was beautiful. Um, at the end, when he was talking about the things that ladies and gents do, maybe another thing I wouldn't read to my six year old, six year old niece and nephew, you know, and they're yeah. sort of canoodling. Well, they um, do. So they do like books
0: books about poo, though. I can I can tell you that they do. They, actually, they, they love.
2: Yes. Like, he,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: That is true. They do love books about poo. But I, I do think that you know there are some some edits to be made. But this, I think, has a lot of potential.
0: Yeah, interesting little mini debate going on in the chair room there they're not exactly black and white, more like sepia uh and Cora says not a picture mm-hmm. but for kids much much older audience lovely illustrations i and Georgina mm-hmm. says in response to somebody else um leave them in black and white i'm not sure about that nick
1: um i i thought that the i i love the black and white illustrations i thought that um uh, michael is uh, is a a grade graphic designer and artist yeah. um uh, the You know, the the bubble shapes that they were making on the page was fantastic. You know, Mm. the switch from the white pages to the black pages, you Mm. know, worked very nicely. The the perspective switches from being up above from being down at ground level. um, You know, it was really um, clever um, art, basically. Which I think is a lot more than I would say about the actual the actual poetry. Um, you oh. know, I was chucked straight out of it by the happy crappy yeah. rhyme. Um, uh, yeah. you know, on the, the, the third page, and you know, it just the sentiments were were, were good. You know, and the moral of the um, of, of the poem was was nice. It just wasn't well told, and it was. Yeah. It just really let down the art. I think. I'm afraid. It was the
0: weaker part well, of the two, wasn't it? yeah yeah okay so um graphic novel um do you i'm not i've got to be honest i'm not i'm not the greatest agent in the world for picture books i think i've done one or two accidentally but i don't really know much about picture books really don't tell anybody because i pretend i do but um the picture book market i mean what's it like at the moment nick
1: uh, I, I, I'm pretty much in the same. Um, uh, in, I'm in, really in the same. <laughs> you me <mean> both. Are <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a very specialist area.
0: Yeah, it is. Isn't um, it? Yeah, yeah,
1: and you know, and, and the people and the publishers who work in it, you know, are, are definite specialists in it. You yeah. know, and you know, I'm not one. I mean, we we do do some graphic novels, but they're very definitely for for, for grown ups. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And you know, they tend to be on some quite specific technical subjects very often. You know, there's science yeah. Science fiction, or yeah, a you know, wonderful one about the Tour de France, you know, which yeah. is, is basically a historical document. Hmm. Um, So, you know, I mean, I I think, you know, quite a few people have said, you know, I'm I'm not sure if who's this is, you know, who exactly, you know, this story would be aimed at. And I think that's Mm. what any, um, uh, I suspect that's what any sort of professional um, uh, uh, picture book publisher would say. They're saying it's neither, you know, sort of adult graphic novel or book for kids.
0: Okay, so it's
1: you know, somewhat difficult
0: fitting it into a genre. Okay, so given, given that commercial constraint, give us a number, please. Oh, well, I
1: think this is a tough one, you know, because, you mm. know, in terms of, you know, the quality of
0: the art, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 it would be a five. Mm. uh uh-huh. uh-huh. Just frozen, uh-huh. frozen there. We, you know, something horrible happened to your audio just then, on the way from... Uh, Five miles away from where i am
1: uh, all, the, all, all the way from sunny south london and exactly. am, am i back can you yeah you're back you yeah.
0: yeah yeah we, we didn't okay, get the number
1: so, okay so i was a five for the art a one for the um a one for the poetry which makes a three <laughs>
0: <maybe>. <laughs> entirely logical jamila
2: he stole my number so i'm gonna go with the three as well three as well um, i think was great yeah
0: yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm actually going more than that because I really do like the art. I'm not sure it's a children's picture book, but I really think you're extremely talented, Michael. I can't go for five because it's the overall package. Could I take it and send it out tomorrow and make enormous amounts of money out of it? Probably not. But I do think you're hugely talented. Uh, I think. I think you do need to be under the nose of a lot more publishers. So. Um there. So there. Oh, look, we got instant feedback. I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. So nice of you to say that know how difficult it is actually have you know have your work out there live have people mm-hmm. criticizing it but the nice thing is that oh there we go you've, you've got you've got a fan already in the youtube uh chat room the nice thing is though that you know our own genius room here composed and of the typians they they're like your living laboratory you get instant feedback from them without any malice you just get straight reaction from them let's see how the numbers look well, you, know, you can't complain, can you, Michael? Actually, you soared into the lead there, actually. And yeah, and in the chat room too, they agreed with me. It was, four, it was a, a four out of five both times. So that's quite something. I think you should be pleased with that. We have two more submissions to look at, but right now I would like to have a have a word with with Nicholas from Head of Zeus. Um, Head of Zeus is a really interesting company, Um, not the oldest publisher in the world, made an enormous impact in the uh, few short years it's been in existence, a general publisher everything from crime to children's and children's crime possibly. Um, We have a proven track record you say in promoting new writers, I wanted to talk to you about that because this is just going to be a strange year in publishing, I think. Um, my own feeling is that genre writers who already write to an existing market, and you can communicate with them quite well, they're going to be okay. The big-name writers have already got their own following. They're going to be okay. People trying to break in, the sort of people who, who watch pop-ups, who maybe are not too sure of their genre and certainly don't have a following yet, how easy is it going to be for them this year?
1: Well, I think there's there's no doubt that it's not going to be easier. I think that, I mean, COVID is only part of the reason for that. Um, obviously, in the last 10 years, there's probably been no better time, you know, to be um, a new independent author because oh. you have the ability to... Through the internet, through Amazon, through self-publishing, you have the ability to get your books um, in front of more people um, uh, than anyone has ever had before. You don't actually need necessarily a publisher anymore. Well, certainly in 2010 you didn't, and we saw a massive boom um, uh, in in, in independent publishing. Now, of course, that has now meant the market's pretty saturated, and so it's very hard to get attention. And that's where suddenly it becomes useful to have a support staff, um, you know, around you. And that's the kind of thing that a publisher can provide to, to lift you out, you know, from everyone else who is now yeah. self-publishing. Yeah. And of course, you know, we certainly noticed that, I mean, in the first half of uh, 2020, um, uh, you know, nobody was interested in anything um, uh, other than what C19 um, was, was doing to the planet.
0: Yeah, um, really. So really,
1: yeah. A few media opportunities um, uh, you know the newspapers uh, um, were absolutely full um, mm. of good news. You know people weren't reading. You know the historical fiction. You know sort of uh, uh, genre roundup. Um, however, coming out at the end of the year, you know it seemed that people uh, you know have kept reading, and the, the book industry has proven so far touch wood, reasonably um, uh, uh, Resil- recession. Yeah, it, it's been yes, it, it's it's been going 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 well. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think that, you know, the long term, the long term trend is that it is only going to get harder, you know, for independent authors, you know, to, mm. to, to actually get their, get their books um, out there. Of course, they can now publish them. They can get them out there. But will anyone actually read them? That's the.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's the. Uh, oh, hopefully we haven't uh, frozen again. It it's the snow on the line. Uh, what's the best single piece of advice you can give to an author trying to break through at the moment?
1: best single piece mm. um yeah i i think that i think that to a certain degree it is probably. i mean if you're a genre publisher um uh, engage with your genre you know that's basically a support you know network Um, We've certainly found, you know, that those authors who have gone out and have started a mailing list, have uh, started a Facebook page, um, uh, you know, just out there, even if it's only 10 people, you know, that is the seed that then you can grow. Um, And that is 10 people that, you know, is 10 people more than you might otherwise have.
0: Yeah. And yeah. You know,
1: we certainly, you know, in our sort of new imprints, which are specifically focused on, uh, on new writers, we encourage our authors to do that and we encourage them to engage with us. And we kind of built, you know, a very informal network. I mean, not, you know, sort of unlike you know, what you've created with Litopia, it just mm. gets people talking, thinking about, you know, your, your book, your title. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's strong
0: but basically it, it would be a brave writer at the moment do you think a new writer to to write way outside the of an established genre
1: um well you know I, I would i i would hate to say that because i i, I think yeah. we've always got to look for something new i think that there are genres out there which are looking for new things i mean yeah. for example it's de factor really about the new um if you were writing in crime if someone could prevent me present me with something new in crime, yeah, you know, yeah. I would be like it as a publisher, you know, yeah, um, yeah. to, um, to to find it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of. I mean, the real problem is, you know, going back to my earlier point is, there's a lot of the same kind of stuff out there. Yeah, you know, the genre is of fantastic yeah. for promoting. you can find your fans, and you know, but you, you will need that extra seed of something that's just a little bit different from everything yeah. out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, just half a step in front of the rest. Fantastic advice. Always terrific to have you on the show, Nicholas. We have two more. Two more pieces of, of work to uh, to look at. Before we let you go, this is from KJ. KJ Bailey. Dark fantasy it is. I like that too. A handful of souls. That's a good title. Tethered to her friends. Writes KJ in the blurb. Tethered to her friends by a lengthening trail of tears. Catriona shambles... Shambled aimlessly among uncaring wilderness. It was in this deepest of sorrows that a voice reached out to her, rasping from the surrounding shadows, promises to return what had been taken. I think I understood that. To have light restored to so dark a world sees the girl's hopes rise from the blood-stained earth, only to be tempered by the knowledge that so grand a thing could not possibly come without a price. Johnny likes the title, too. Um, all right. Let me tell you about KJ. I've been writing for many years, though I've never particularly serious about it. Never been particularly serious about it. You better get serious now. <laughs> it's serious time. It's a fun hobby to me that I would like to share with others. And if we can get it to help fund my other ludicrously unprofitable endeavors, so much the better. Keep dreaming. Um, I've self-published the six books of my Alice Dipleback, Black. There's another good uh, Alice Black series available on Amazon with little success. Oh, just what Nick was saying. As I don't advertise well and didn't have an editor at the time, I've paid for an editor. I got it into my head that this story is worth a look to those who inex- inexplicably want to cry and won't shy away from a bit of necromancy. <laughs> It always brings tears to my eyes, that necromancy. Fantastic. So you want, um, yeah, you want a reading with uh, heart, body and soul and a few tears as well. It's going to be K, yeah? The
3: first page. A Handful of Souls by K.J. Bailey Read by K. Catriona, a mess of amber curls and pale limbs sprouting from a tattered dress proudly but carefully made her way back to camp arms steadily tiring from the weight they carried off the beaten track The forest floor was a crowded place riddled with fallen branches, leaf-hidden rocks and jutting roots that all seemed intent on entangling her feet in the growing dark of evening. This and her catch, not shy of biting, forced the girl to hold the hefty turtle away from herself, magnifying the ache in both slender biceps. The wolf-dog prancing about around her legs, and sometimes annoyingly in front of them, wasn't helping either. But grey, tapered ears and brown eyes fixating on their prize with every few steps had a right to be so excited. This was a big haul for them, and she was sure the others would be just as pleased. Turtle soup would be wonderful for supper. Letting out a relieved sigh upon spotting the comforting orange glow of a fire through the spindly, densely packed trees, Kat stopped, focusing on the reptile. Its surprisingly long neck extended a sharp, beak-like mow towards the fingers, gripping its broad shell again. The girl adjusted the digits along with her spear, giving the angry turtle the wooden haft to chomp on. While doing so, the void left by the absence of bare feet crunching over dead leaves and twigs, instantly filled with unknown voices. Grey heard them too, the large canine staring intently towards camp, letting loose a few low, woofing huffs to be sure Cat noticed. She froze to listen, uncertainty and alarm creeping up her body in a cold shiver when not hearing the jovial tenor of Edwin, nor the melodic contralto of Atalanta. The words being spat were harsh and curt, the sounds of angry men, at least two. There were pained groans among them as well. Grey crouched low in a predatory stop, Cat following suit. They approached quietly, a thought offering that the voices may just be of road-weary travellers in need of aid, as she had been only a time ago. Though as cautious steps drew her closer, the hairs along the back of the girl's neck began to stand on end in primitive warning. Sidling up along a tree, she peeked around, and the colour drained from an already pale face. Three strange men crowded around the fire, one mostly in silhouette, back to Kat. Another, the stoutest, sat on a log, groaning as he gingerly grasped the shaft of one of Atalanta's arrows sticking out of a meaty forearm. The last held the cringing huntress from behind, teeth grit as one large hand gripped entirely around her throat. A dagger held loosely in the other as it groped roughly over modest breasts concealed by a dirt-stained shirt. Edwin lay crumbled in an awkward ball at the edge of the fire's light unmoving. Cat had known Edwin and Atalanta for the matter of only a few days but they had been kind to her in that time sharing what food they had upon their meeting and allowing the starving girl and stringy dog to journey with them. From 14 years upon the earth Cat knew such people were of particularly rare quality and needed to be treasured and though every fibre of her being screamed that these were bad men who represented extreme danger Fear of them was overshadowed by the dread of losing the only two people who had ever proven compassion more than a word. This alone kept the girl from fleeing. The man stuck with the arrow yanked it free with a pained bestial howl. He rose with the motion, the outcry becoming an angry grunt as he made for Atalanta, backhanding her across the face. The resounding slap jolted cat enough to lose the turtle. Shaking fingers sought to reclaim it from the fear-heavy air, fumbled and missed. An annoying grumble from the burly man, Hey, ease off of the... was cut off by its tumultuous crash to the surface roots and leaves below. All three men were now alertly looking her way
0: all right so yeah we got truncated there didn't we because you were 700 words um robert makes an interesting point there good observation i agree with that this doesn't feel like it's been under an editor's red pen It needs a lot of tightening to me i think that's right what do you think nick
1: um well i realized in everything that I, I i said just a moment ago about what's the best thing you know that, uh, that a new writer can do um, yeah. is actually um, perhaps the best thing is choose a good title um yeah and this isn't a bad title um, yeah uh, yeah so, uh, that's off to a good start. I, yeah. I, from the blur, I really wasn't expecting anything. I couldn't make like, head or no, tail. No, I couldn't.
0: One. I couldn't. You could tell that I, I didn't read it well. I couldn't understand it. Yeah.
1: But then I was really pleasantly surprised by the um, by the writing. I thought there was a, a, a precision to it. Uh, you mm. know, I liked the image. Of, you know, um, someone walking along. You know, the arms getting tired because they're holding a snappy turtle. You know. Yeah. Um, at arm's length. I, I thought that, that was quite original. It's I nicely strange, room. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I saw the chat room thought there were too many adjectives and things. I think that might be right and, you know, but they're very simple to take out. It's the easiest to change. Uh, oh. it says, uh, the, the word one of the kind of brought me up a bit. So it sounded, you know, very sort of grimy and dark and dystopian and turtle soup would be wonderful for supper. And supper just didn't quite seem right, but, you know, you're maybe intrigued and kept, uh, you know. I, I, I thought, I, yeah, I thought this, this, this was pretty good. Um, uh, I, was, um,
0: oh. I, I was enjoying it. I, Fantastic. Yeah, let's, uh, let's all right, all right. We're on a roll with Nick. Let's get a number from him.
1: Um, uh, I I'm going to. If I want to read
0: more, I'm going to say four. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, I'm delighted! That's good news, Jamila.
2: I thought that this started off. It was very promising. I actually liked the idea of her coming back, her arms being tired, and and you know the idea of turtle soup. I mean, you. I really got this sense from the first 700 words that. This was somebody who was really in, in peril, and she's but she's coming back to some people who, at some point along the way, were nice to her, and you know, there's sort of this impending foreboding, which I, I liked. Yeah, it I, was. I, mean, I really got the sense of that. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, I think that the, I think that KJ did a really good job of of setting it up. And then the scene when she actually returns to the fire and seeing everybody and the dogs sort of, you know, doing what dogs do, nipping around and then warning of more danger. Yeah. I think was, I think it was a solid setup. I mean, adjectives and adverbs, we can have those discussions. I think yeah. that you know, we they probably could use some trimming, but you can definitely tell that, that a lot of thought went into this piece.
0: The, yes, it did, didn't it? And I think kj undersells herself because her little picture at the beginning of the bio if you remember i read that i've been writing for many years i've mm-hmm. never taken it particularly seriously i don't think that's true i think she is taking her writing actually really quite seriously so give us a number
2: i would say a four i mean wow. I the story has a lot of
0: comments another four yeah. oh heavens above heavens to mercy Um, now then I'm not going to be quite as generous as that because it's it's a bit murky I'm picking out some interesting strange things here I like the strangeness of it I'm very concerned for the poor old turtle but um, at the moment I'm not going I can't stretch to more than three sorry about that but even so there might be a divergence of views here actually between our panellists and the chat room let's have a look at the um, the score oh wow it looks like we've got a two joint one at the moment yeah it does they did they went a bit low with me didn't they so we've got two fours two threes and we have our final submission of the day who knows that could change everything trusting in you i like that title too we've got some strong titles i think this week romance oh what a nice heartwarming way to end the show it's from carly wokes there's carly's uh, qr code hello everyone says carly (laughs) hello carly hope your your palms aren't too sweaty um after losing his mother josh has forgotten what's what it's like to be loved and to love when a chance meeting Sparks feelings and emotions he never even knew existed. One night of toe-curling passion for the self-professed playboy leaves him wanting more until his father's past put him and Lux into unimaginable danger. <gasps> I thought that sentence was, was never going to end and it was going to kill me. <sighs> <laughs> Be still, my heart. Keeping their secrets close, trusting in each other, is all they are left with, but with time against them, Josh has to fight to save his heart and the women who own it. All right, let me tell everybody about you, Carly. You in the the YouTube chat room right now, Carly. We're all looking at you. Uh, I'm a 31-year-old. Thank you for telling us your age. You don't have to do that. But anyway, we all know now. Secrets out. 31-year-old, mother of three. I began writing when I was just nine and had a short story published of a day in the life of... You don't say who published it. It's probably Penguin Random House, I think. Last year, I began writing once again and have truly found my passion. How nice. Let's get Emily, shall we? To give you a truly passionate reading.
5: The first page. Trusting in You by Carly, read by Emily. Prologue, Josh, age six. Come on, Mom. Uncle Andrew will be waiting for us. I am so excited. And Mom seems to be seriously taking her time today. I finally get to go on a family picnic up in the woods with Mum and my uncle. I don't get to see him too often because Dad doesn't approve of him being around us and every time he finds out that we've seen him, he and Mum end up screaming and shouting. It always ends with Mum screaming, crying and Dad storming out, not returning for a few days. Thankfully, Dad is away on a business trip for a few days and isn't due back until Sunday, so Mum arranged for us to spend some time together. I run through the dark wooden hallway from my bedroom and straight down the black sweeping staircase that runs into the large open entrance hall. Slow down before you break a bone, young man. I know you're excited. We will get there. Let's just get the blanket and then we can head up to our spot. Mom ruffles my hair, smiling down at me with the smile she reserves only for me. I look up from between my dark blonde locks that have subsequently fell over my eyes and smile a wide toothy smile. Mamma stood in front of me in the most beautiful bright red and white floral summer dress with capped sleeves. It captures her true beauty and makes her eyes shimmer. The way the dress floats down to her knees from under her breasts, accentuating her womanly curves, showing the real mom, the relaxed mom that doesn't have to worry about how she looks, who she needs to impress. I love this version of my mom the most, carefree, relaxed and ready for an adventure in her white platform pumps. "'standing with the picnic basket at her feet "'and getting our family heritage picnic blanket. "'If I could bottle up and keep her happiness in this moment, I would. "'I hate the fact that the second Dad comes home, "'she will go back to being stuffy "'and trying to impress everyone that she doesn't really like. "'She thinks I can't see how unhappy she is "'or hear the tears she cries at night when she is all alone in bed "'or when Dad is another one of his episodes, but I see everything. "'I wish Uncle Andrew could convince her that we should go with him.' "'Leave this wretched countryside. "'I know she wants to. "'I read her diary when I found it "'after Dad had locked her in the dining room "'because she embarrassed him at a works function "'by making a joke about Dad's business. "'She just made a passing comment, "'but he didn't like it apparently. "'She made a show of herself and a fool of him, "'so that was her punishment. "'I brush that thought aside as Mom takes my hand in hers "'and leaves me to the front door ready to escape "'and be happy for a few hours.' "'Josh,' she says, staring blankly ahead into the trees "'as we move further away from the country house and into the forest. "'Yes, ma'am. "'Promise me, when you become a man all grown up and handsome, "'that you will find a woman worthy of your trust and love "'and that you will treat her like a true queen, love her unconditionally "'and fight with every being in your soul to make her the happiest woman in the world. "'Never let anyone get in the way of your true love or happiness. "'You're going to be a fine young man "'and I don't want anything to corrupt the wonderful soul you have.' I look up confused as to why she would be saying that and what she fully means is something happening that I don't know about. One thing's for sure, I know that I will promise her this and I will never break that promise. She looks down at me, studying the concerned look on my face but gives my hand a little reassuring squeeze, the twinkle back in her eye. Yes, ma'am, I promise. Although, girls...
0: Oh, girls, yes, quite. Oh, girls! Downfall of many a young man, they are. Oh, my goodness me. Uh, now then, Carly, have a good look and see what people are saying in the chat room, um, because you're getting some excellent reactions here. You can't pay for this kind of stuff, actually. Well, you can try, but it won't be as good. You're getting some terrific tips here from Kate and Vicky and Barbara and Robert. I'm, I can't read them all, but you've, you've got some excellent reactions there. I'm going to ask you, Jamila, for, for your first thoughts.
2: Um, so uh, it's, I think that this sounded sort of old for a six-year-old to start uh, in the prologue. I mean, regardless of what people's sort of ideas are about prologues, um, yeah. you know, the six-year-old is talking about his own curly hair and toothy grin and his mother's breasts. I don't, I don't know that even if it's just a prologue and we're going to move forward, I think that we probably need to if it's going to be from the point of view of a six-year-old it should read like that
5: Um, I'm
2: not sure what the point of it is I mean I think some of this information could probably better be conveyed in the story but Mm. that's just my my two cents about the prologue the blurb was a little confusing so I don't know you know and then at at the end the very end where he says okay but girls
3: I'm not sure
2: who who the, the audience is for this if this no. is the same sex romance I mean I think that, that probably you know, I'm sure that will come out um, as we get further into the story but again I think in the first 700 words yeah. you should probably know that but yeah I thought that it read very um, mature for a 6 year old and I think it could probably use a good, it reads like sort of a first draft so
0: I think it could probably it, does. it really does uh, actually yeah I agree yeah. so numbers please yeah.
2: Um,
0: I'm gonna go too. Yeah, I well, read your mind. I just want to say, Carly. So, um. just look at the presentation apart from anything else just look at the presentation huge great watches of taxa nearly gave me a migraine trying to read that through just please just be a bit kinder to the reader and uh, someone said in the chat room as well please consider reading out loud you know you've got a nice conversational voice but think about reading out loud and you know you'll find that bits of it just don't work Nick
1: yeah, I mean, I, I, I obviously, I, I very much agree with everything that, that's been said by Jamila and, and in the chat room, really. Um, uh, the voice isn't right. Uh, no six-year-old would... Uh, um, would narrate like that i don't think um yeah. unless some very sort of complex sort of literary device you know which is not you know not beyond me because i don't use a prologue um if you actually label it prologue at, at least you know that there is an element of um of you know sort of re- revisionism if you like on it you know is this actually you know our narrator later on in the book going back and you know interpreting or yeah yeah. You know, it doesn't feel authentic and that's not a great way to start the book, even if you have got this complicated literary structure. You know, it's it's going to raise more questions in the reader's mind on the first few pages when you need to carry them with you. So, mm. you know, it's uh, I, I just don't see it working. Um, no. You know, it really, um, uh, the other thing which was really sort of exercising me was, um, was, was the blurb. Um, uh, yes. And uh, the description of a of, of toe-curling passion. I can't
0: quite decide whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Ah, uh, I think it's good. I'm not sure, though. I mean, it could be really it's bad good. sex, actually, <laughs> couldn't it? <laughs> the sex was so bad it made my toes curl. Mm, yeah, possibly. Um. Yeah. <laughs> stopped everyone from Nick, give us some numbers or a number
1: uh, I'll give you a number, um,
0: two two, yeah I think I'm going to follow suit with that and um thing is, alright Carly, so you're a good sport for sending this in and you've got some terrific reactions there, advice from the uh, Charon genius room and we happen to know you are only 31 years old, so you're right at the beginning of your writing life Actually, because it just gets better and better. So, hopefully, we've given you a little bit of encouragement. Let's have a look at the final, final, final score of uh, today's fabulous show with two amazing guests. Doesn't often happen, does it? Handful of souls and above the clouds have come out equal. And that means Michael, who's uh, watching us live in Australia right now, where I'm sure the is a lot nicer it is here in London, and KJ are equal winners as far as our panelists are concerned but not necessarily as far as make your
2: pop-up submission oh what just happened
0: <laughs> somebody needed to say something quickly <laughs> not necessarily as, as uh as far as uh, the popular vote is concerned however it is customary to ask our two guests Jim Miller. thank you for being with us again been an un- unalloyed pleasure I find that very hard to say but it's worth saying for your sake um, oh thank you Carly that's great it's so nice to, to get feedback on our feedback we don't want you to go away in tears but we've got to be straight yeah. with you haven't you so yeah that's nice fantastic Carly um, Jamila your last potential change of heart here you can if you want to change any one of your votes up down sideways inside out whatever
2: I'm going to stick
0: you're going to stick, you're not twisting. Fair enough, understood. Same question to you, Nick.
1: Um, I think I'm going to stick as well.
0: You too, yeah, understood. Good, all right, so um, I want to say thank you so much for being with us again, Nick. I know lots and lots of people, we've got 91 people, um, currently be hundreds more over the next few days really look forward to to seeing you and hearing you and if we can i'll tell you what we're going to do we're all going to club together to put some fiber optic cable into your house so we can hear and see you properly next time yeah fantastic thank you nick thank you jamila
5: don't forget to it, it's
0: vote over on to today's you show it's totally over to you now go along to latopia.com slash vote exercise your right to make the next bestseller I hope you've enjoyed it. I always enjoy having Jamila and Nick on. And what I'm going to enjoy more is having you on next week. Night night, everybody.